The information contained within this podcast is general in nature and should not be construed as advice nor substituted for qualified professional counseling or mental health therapies. If you are genuinely in need of deeper assistance, please seek the advice of qualified professionals. Welcome to the Unpacking Grief podcast with Drew Marriott and myself, Ian P.F. McDonald. Join us as we delve into what grief is, how it can differ for each of us, and how we can explore techniques for healing and growing to help both you and those around you in processing grief. Welcome back to episode three of Unpacking Grief. My name is Ian McDonald. And I'm Drew Marish. How are you, buddy? I'm good. <laughs> Big day. Big day. Just been uh, upon your recommendation and other people's recommendation. I'm, I'm finally leaning into creating a web facility for uh, people to find me with my medium work, my intuitive medium work. So just been working on the website and realigning everything because historically I've been a filmmaker and actor and that's all getting pushed a little to the side and the time to tinker. Is, yeah, it's you know under the intuitive section and yeah, it feels guided. What about you? How was your day? Good. Spent it inside mostly. Uh, well, I cleaned some gutters early in the morning and then it was ninety nine degrees for the rest of the day. So uh, got the the work out of the way early and then uh, just kind of hunkered down for the day and uh, you know just prepare for tonight and uh, our little chat always glad to see you yeah you too brother you too yeah. so we touched on a lot of things in the last episode that we didn't really get to elaborate on and i wanted to dig into some of these these techniques because some of them you can get at face value um but there's a nuance and there's really your experience of experiencing how they shifted um your processing so the first one i think was you mentioned that you reframed your relationship with zach yeah. Yeah. There were a lot of realizations and, and again, um, I'll sound like a broken record to you and the audience potentially, but in that thirst uh, for knowledge and trying to reframe your life and, and how you're going to process everything that's going on around you in a world um, where your son is no longer physically um, there. Um so there were things that I opened myself to and that once I started to allow pictures, simple things where I talked to my wife um, and she encouraged me to start bringing some of his older pictures out. Uh, I'm a minimalist and um, just, you know, by habit, uh, I'm a guy who just has a Spartan office. I do have some jerseys hanging on the wall. Uh, I do have the obligatory photos around, but but not a lot of stuff that uh, to hang and, and display. And one wonderful thing that Deanna got me into the habit of is taking every little piece of his life, uh, his photos, his art, his his possessions, the things that he took pride in. I mean, he Zach shopped at the antique stores, and and it's another trait that that he shares with uh, Deanna. And he just he just amassed a, a wonderful treasure of these you know frogs and and butterflies and hat pins and everything you can imagine small large he brought an organ home while I was away it, it, it's a it's a small and it became the source of a uh, an ongoing joke we talked about how we left um, on that morning and um, he bought this organ home. And uh, unloaded it and, and parked it in my office as a joke, and then started uh, taunting me with videos of it. And um, 
he he was testing me. It was the playful little game that father and son play. And uh, you know, at first I voiced my protest, and and he was he was gaming me. And then eventually I said, you know what, son, leave it there. It's fine. And I think it it kind of blew his mind. But um, I digress. It was. I moved it single-handedly out of my office into our sunroom, and uh, he he had no idea how I could have possibly done it on my own. So when he saw it sitting out there, he thought I might have damaged it or just drug it out there, and he said to me, and I don't care what you do with the organ. I kind of had to take that as a challenge after everything that had happened, and, and so um, it became a focal point where I uh, got it cleaned up, plugged it in his best friend came over for a day he plays the piano so he got the time to sit down and, and play some stuff for me and you know I've got a, a big portrait that hung on the wall back in our old house uh, he might have been four or five so I need to clarify the timeline here the cleaning up of the organ this is after Zach passed you mean after he passed yeah and, yeah. and the message uh, I don't care what you do with the organ was that through the medium no, that was him speaking to me on his way out the door. And so um, with that came a, a heartfelt kind of, again, a reframing where um, it, it was more of a treasure than ever uh, before. So it's been a rallying point and it's a, uh, it's a, it's a pleasant reminder uh, for me. So I guess to bring it full circle, it's counterintuitive for some folks to be able to look at a piece like that and attach a transaction or, or an interaction with a loved one and then be at a place where they say, I want to look at it every day. So what I managed to do was detach that emotion from it. It no longer became the organ that my son, you know, told me, you know, I could throw it out and burn it, you know, do whatever I want with it. It became a tribute, uh, another one um, for him. And uh, it's, it's, a, it's a cherished piece, and, and uh, I'm, I'm happy I have it. I'm very aware, listening, uh, I, I'm similar to you. I'm able to work with my emotions and reframe and do these sorts of things that can help shift a perspective to something healthier. And I feel when we're doing a podcast like this, you know, you and I being similar, that's great. But there's probably a lot of people who have a more difficult time just detaching, you know, people say, oh, just attach. You know, I know with my wife, that's not possible. She is so uh, emotionally uh, oriented that when emotion is there, it's there. It's just, it, you can't just turn it off. It's not that simple. Is there any techniques that you have been, I guess, referred or, or found through this process that might be Maybe they didn't did or didn't work for you, but maybe they might be helpful for someone more emotionally oriented in a position like this. I can't put my finger on one specific action or um, meditation or, or something along those lines that allowed me to have that realization. But I think that you know, again, um, in terms of the Renana Bunda, we talked about body memory and how it builds over the course of 20 years, and that being at the apex of when I lost my son. And the physical approach, the third dimension of healing that 
you know, to continue our, our last conversation, it involved for me a lot of things, but, but one of it was a, um, a chanting, uh, protocol and it was an Om Namah Shivaya. It's something that I came across and, uh, from Sadhguru, not sure if you're familiar, but uh, Indian mystic. Uh, a lot of great talks. What does that mean? It's obviously seen some, some Indian words, I'm guessing. Well, I might be preaching at a choir, but uh, Om um, is known as the, it's probably the oldest sound vibration uh, in the universe. It's, it's love, it's God, it's, it's you know, the essence of, of everything, uh, depending on what you choose to believe. And Namah Shivaya are earth, water, fire, air, and ether. So through the course, over several hours for three days, um, I went through and, and just repeatedly chanted, Om Namah Shivaya, and just got lost in it. And to the degree that I believe that this was going to be good for my physical well-being, that it will have an effect uh, on that physical aspect of healing. Uh, that's, that's where I dove in head first. And as I mentioned, the third day I, I just got through and I didn't detail the chant as much, but I was standing there like, I feel pretty good right now. And I, I think I can, I can stop this. And move on and continue in, in other areas. So it's it's a very individual process, again, unique to everyone. Um, but I just got to say, when, when I honored it, um, good things happened. Things flowed divinely, and, and I felt an easier passage through um, those areas of grief at specific points in time. I think the other misconception is that grief is linear and that, um, you know, maybe like Tetris you can build and that there's some visual, um, you know, milestones that you could refer to and, you know, make sure that you're not losing any, you know, ground in, in your healing. And, and I, I don't think that that's necessarily a good way to approach it. It's, it's a very cyclical process. I don't know how it was for you with with your with your dad or mom or how you can you know yeah with, with my dad your it, side with my dad it um I mean there was the initial sadness it was softened because it was expected you know we'd been watching it come for fifteen years um but with my mom again it's it's so different because the psychic intuitive medium gift within me had started to be woken up at that point and you know it's been a good year or more of it really you know bursting onto the scene and like becoming a part of who I am to the point that my confidence in the skill is you know full so with my mum it was a transference I mean she literally started speaking to me the moment that she was out of the body and it wasn't even a conversation it's just a I'm here you know I'm here and I'm like yeah I know you're here and then you know, essentially it was just a gentle process of like me going through what I'm going through because the way I picture it, I don't know what it actually would look like, but I picture that, you know, when we have bonds, we have these lines of light that fuse us to the other person. So when you have an incredible uh, connection to someone and then they lose one or the other or both of each other, um, 
So when we lose that person, you can feel this pulling out of your stomach. You know, it's like the very fibers of your light body. You can feel them being extracted from your stomach. If you, if you go through heartbreak, you feel this feeling. It hurts in your heart, yes. And you have a similar type thing where it feels like the other person's being pulled out of your heart. The fibers of light are being pulled out of their entanglement with yours. And it hurts. So that process was softened with my mum because of the psychic connection. Because yes, it was happening. But I also knew that she wasn't gone. So there was this transmutation of that thing when I felt it happening you know, it was, it was a lot more cerebral. I was just really frustrated with how it went down because it didn't, you know, have to go down that way. She essentially was subject to a lot of medical negligence in my opinion. And, Mm. you know, things could have, I'm so sorry. Ah, you know, it's, it's okay. I'm through it. You know, I, I know she is off where she is in that other realm that we don't get to really understand until we go there. Um, and at a certain point, I'd love to have someone on this show, if anyone's listening, who has had a near-death experience. This is a formal invitation because, you know, to understand what a near-death experience is as described by someone who's had a near-death experience is to really understand a little bit more what lies on the other side, what lies on the other side of death, what lies as the process of death. And a huge part of what gives me a lot less fear in life overall is my ability to no longer fear death. And that's come through, (laughs) I'm sure it's some form of obsession, but I got obsessed with watching people's personal accounts on YouTube, on documentaries, reading, reading people like Dolores Cannon, Michael Newton, Dr. Michael Newton, sorry. Um, These people have a whole focus on the near-death experience, on the life-between-life experience, on the previous life experience through regression hypnotherapy. And I mean, you're talking tens of thousands of people's accounts. At a certain point, you go, oh, they're all saying the same thing. There's something to this. Yes. And it's uncanny because they're all describing it differently. But you listen to enough of these, as I have, they're all saying the same thing. And it gets really less uh, there's this just an impossibility for me at least to have any fear of death i don't want to die i've got a lot more living oh. to do i'm going to do everything i can to live as long as i can but that lack of fear of death means that i'm so much more present in every moment because i'm not doing actions through the fear of consequence i'm doing them with observation of consequence understanding of how consequence could shorten my life but i'm not afraid right. of it so it's it's funny because when you arrive at this point, you look around all of society and you realize we have created an entire society based around the fear of death. The whole religious fervor that goes with any religion, essentially it's like, you know, be good because if you die and you go to hell, right? It's a fear of death in a way. Seatbelts in a car, lines on the road, traffic lights, these are all fears of death. Insurance companies, fears of death. Pharmaceutical, fear of death. Eating healthy, fear of death. Junk food, I don't know what's going on there because if you had a fear of death, you wouldn't touch it, right? But we have a whole society that's encouraging the fear of death. So if if the living can really sort of come to terms that, oh yes, I do fear death and maybe I can reframe that, you you change your whole life experience regardless what your belief set is. So yeah, that's yeah. that's been the big takeaway for me. I, you know, it can't be understated the power of 
yours and my abstractions, I'd call them, right? Our experiences in what's on the other side, because yes, we don't know, no, right? We can't go there and bring something back and say, oh yeah, here, I, here, see, I told you. <laughs> yeah, here's my evidence. However, every experience and, and some more than others, as you could probably also testify that um, they're very, very compelling and they're very compelling and so to the degree you can go ahead and i i wanted to ask i i was told i have the gift and and i shared this with you and and you helped try to help me tap into it and i don't think i'm stuck i i think i get there in different ways but um i i heard zachary I heard his voice one night. It was mm. in twilight. I was just laying down. I was just falling into sleep. Wow. And I heard, yo. <laughs> Badass. I love him. And, and <laughs> it was crazy because later, not crazy because it's none of this is crazy. I mean, all of this is such beautiful stuff. I say it because it's outside of what the framework of what other people have seen, what I, but I hope that people listening will see and allow themselves to see. Um, but yeah, he said, yo, and uh, the medium, uh, I had asked her, and he it's something that he had been working on, right? Because, uh, you know, there are things, um, our loved ones are very busy and um, they can handle a lot on the other side to the degree that they can be here in my ear, I get a I get a buzzing in my right ear um, when when he's here. Not all the time. I won't get a buzzing, and I know he's here. I've actually been feeling him when I edit. So, oh really? It's just just looking over the shoulder, and like we did a dedication at the end of episode one. It says, you know, loving memory of Zach. And then when I did the edit for episode two, I was like, no, it doesn't need to be there. It was just that one time thing sort of called out to you spiritually. And I was like, what should I do? And I was like, no, it feels like it can, it can go away. And I felt this loving little like cheeky jab where he's like, Hey, <laughs> what are you doing? That is something that he would do. And I was like, got it. Got it. It was, it was a cool little moment. And yeah. But to have it explained to you in such a way that, that here he is, um, you know, my son over there, mindfully saying yeah i've been trying this trying it i've been getting it through the ethers and again you can only trust the interpretation of the medium because it's not the medium's words i mean they they try to do the best of what they can with the images and 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 the verbatim stuff that they're getting from our loved ones but yeah he explained it that he yo and it came across and came through the ethers and it was at a moment where i was in a position to receive it and hear it and i did so he was uh he was proud of himself he gave himself a uh, a little high five and yeah and stuff. <laughs> yeah takes a lot of energy to be heard yeah yeah so i was going to ask um in terms of how you hear your mother um i feel in i i, I don't like to say here right because you know it's typically auditory I feel I, you know, I get him through numbers. I get him through so many um, different things. Um, you know, 17's been prevalent. That's one of his numbers, and, and there's several others. But in terms of hearing him and feeling him in that sense and, and getting that verbal instruction, 
what I mean, what does it feel like to you? Can you or can you explain that to the audience and myself? So oftentimes when I'm speaking to someone, I, I actually drive Lyft as a sideline gig just to meet people, practice, you know, if people need readings, I give them away free here and there. Um, just because, you know, one, I need the practice and two, there's people in need. And I've met some really amazing people. And the first thing that will happen is when the guides are saying, hey, we want to come through, they'll literally sit me up and there'll be a big breath. So it'll look something like this where it's like, and then I just get this desire to, you know, wake up the heart chakra or massage it gently. I'm just going to move my keys. I'm sitting on them. Oh, <laughs> I'm sitting no on them. Um, and then it's a knowing that they're around me. I don't have a visuality, but there's a sense of a visuality existing that I'm not experiencing. So I don't know where that occurs in me, whether it's cerebral or heart, but I get a sense of them around me. I actually feel them right now. I'm wondering if I called them through that breath, but there's a sense of them being around. And then I'll say, well, what is it that I need to know in this moment? What is it that needs to be communicated? And I do this just through a single thought form. Those words don't occur the way they would if we were speaking them. It's just bam. And then they know. And then from there, essentially what's called a packed thought form, which you can as easily think about as a zip file where bam, in a moment, here's the presence. And then I, allow the unfurling of that and it it feels like a spiral you know it feels like there's this spiral of information and i'm the playhead on that spiral of information and sometimes how it comes through there'll be miswordings so i'll go to say something and they'll stop me and be like no that's not right give us a second ah this so it almost feels like in those moments i can detect that there's there's a team over there and they're practicing how well they can do at communicating the thoughts in the right way because words are so important this is something that anyone who knows me will know about me is i work very hard to deliberate my words so the words that come out it's very important because essentially you're speaking and the person who listens to you the most is you and the universe the other person i mean nowadays people are barely interactive so when it comes through the thing that's the most interesting is me allowing myself to, I don't even know how to describe it. It's like a, a readiness and then I'm working with them. It, it feels like a fusion and my guide, Christopher and my other Angelica, um, she's amazing by the way. I just met her the other day. Uh, I was in session with Christopher and he said, I want to introduce you to Angelica. And I was like, Oh, and she's been there the whole time apparently. But, it hasn't been the time. And now I'm at a place where she's being introduced and she's doing a lot of the working, but she's always been in my field. So having these experiences where you're introduced to these intelligences that don't have a sound, there's no orality to it. There is no, um, there's nothing real in a physical sense, but once I so trust the process, is that too noisy in the background? No, I detected something I couldn't tell if it was here or there. Okay. Um, so once I trust that process inherently, it it's that trusting that makes it real because you're no longer, and I think what most people are doing is they sense a million little pieces of guidance in their life. But what we do is we go, oh, that's nothing, or we just don't focus on it. We don't hear it. We do hear it, 
but we're not focusing on it. We're letting it come and pass, come and pass, come and pass. And these are essentially thought forms that don't sound the way that the ego does. The ego is like, did you wash the dishes? Where's the car? Have you fed the cat? All these things that are really front and center. And I've learned that maybe it's because of the ego's ability to drown out your heart uh, thoughts that that's what society is. It's an entertainment machine to keep you thinking, to keep you physicalized, to keep you focused on physical science and Newtonian science and not be thinking about quantum mechanics and, and the magical sciences. Because if your brain is loud, you won't hear the rest and the work is done for them. So pushing, like we did in the last episode, pushing yourself into the heart and knowing that the thoughts that are the most real from your highest self and your guides and your loved ones that are trying to be heard at all times, I promise you, Hmm. I can feel them clapping, um, is that it's such a subtle whisper. It's a, it's a whim. You know, when you get a whim and you're like, I'm just going to turn into that store. Oh yeah. To go upstairs. Those are the guidances. But if you get a whim and you don't follow it, and oftentimes the reason we don't follow the whim is because we get the brain involved and go, why did I think that? Why would I do that? If you can't have faith, and this is what all of the, the religions talk about, if you can't have faith in those whims, then you're not in faith, right? And if you're in faith with those whims, hey, go to the window, look out. Hey, go here, do this, right? Um, text that person. You know, that's where the communication is. And we all have it, I believe. I just think that we're so cerebral and calculative and scientific in the physical sense that yeah we miss it or it could be an aquarius moon if you're like me and and that uh ruins everything we talked about all those challenges as well the um you know my gift being muted by the rational you know mind and and that placement for the audience it might be worth explaining that gotcha so scott tajarian uh the weekly transit uh on instagram and dot com he did my reading and he pointed out that in my case, while I have the gifts, um, as through my mom and grandmother, I do have a, uh, a less than stellar, pardon the pun, moon placement in Aquarius that um, puts a little bit of a filter on the whims. So where I might fully embrace a whim and go every time, you know, from time to time, they'll there'll be that moon in Aquarius that says, wait, why would you do that? Is there an evolution of relating to those whims and calming the mind? Has that been something you've noticed? I have found that numbers are really maybe their favorite way to get through to me because I am so dialed into those. But when called, I'll I'll go into a room of the house or I'll go upstairs or outside and where I'll get my camera. Um, you know, so I am honoring the whims when I'm feeling them. I'm open to them. So they continue to come fast and furious sometimes. Um, you know, we'll share some story. I mean, there's so many stories that we'll, we'll get to share, but uh, it's amazing. I hope people, who hold on as they should and embrace the signs and those cardinals that come through in a moment where you're not feeling your best or the penny 
um, you know, upside down or, or any number of those specific, very special, intimate signs from your loved ones, you know, that's great. There's also so much behind that. That's just a knock on the door. Mm, agree, uh, and I hope that we can get people to answer through you know these these discussions and yeah and stories. And we have so many things to talk about each episode, but we we just get through these episodes so quick. So it looks like we're going to have a lot of episodes to come. So hopefully, uh, there's plenty for you guys to listen to into the future and stick around. I know next time we're going to push back one of the topics for today: the impermanent nature of life. You know, we, we touched on that a hint today, but I feel like there's, there's such a a realm of like discovery and, and shifting, you know, the typical Western viewpoint of like fearing death through to having a healthier relationship with, you know, your lifespan and others' lifespan. Yeah. One of the things that I, I guess I coined a phrase, I think, um, is that the mystery isn't in death. The mystery is actually in life. Uh, Mm. That had helped a lot for me to refocus and decide the direction that I wanted to go uh, in my healing. I love that. Yeah, that's, we got to use that somewhere. (laughs) We shall. It's going to be your head on a t-shirt. The mystery is in life. (laughs) Awesome. All right, well. Thank you. I'm I'm kind of bummed that we didn't get through more because the time just flies I know, away. Cheers, we just yeah, we just chat chat away. But it's it's all good. I love seeing you. We can do we'll we'll do it again for sure. Excellent. And to listeners out there, if there's anything you'd like to see us cover, or if you'd like to share anything on near death experiences, grieving, your learnings, things that can help others, this is a community that we're doing our best to build here, and that's what we're showing up is to help others through this and we'd love to have you join that community and start a conversation and help us do what we're doing a little bit better we love aha moments Mm. we love when folks hear something we say and then come back and say hey drew you know something yeah it's uh it's very fulfilling it's why we're here and maybe even teach us some that would be good as well yes wonderful well i'm ian mcdonald drew marish thanks for joining us Thank you for joining us on Unpacking Grief. If this podcast is helpful to you, then please subscribe and consider helping others to find us by rating us five stars on your podcast platform of choice and by sharing us with your friends and family directly. You can contact us and keep up to date on Instagram at UnpackGriefPod. If you'd prefer, video versions of all episodes are available on Spotify and YouTube. And if you have any questions, suggestions, or would like to find any of our recommendations, you can do so on our website, unpackinggriefpodcast.com. Thanks for listening.